Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. everybody, this is James and Marco and Nabil and this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 72. Today we are going to be going over the James Bond 007 Marathon Part 2. It's a continuation of our ongoing marathons here of the James Bond franchise? It's, it's all we're going to do for the rest of the year. Pretty much. Never stops. Actually, after this, we're just doing one at a time, so get ready for parts <laughs> just 4 through me. 17. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Got to fill in time here, guys. Not a lot of films out in the theaters we can watch, and it looks yeah. like some theaters won't be playing most of them anymore. So, well, and DeBill yeah. might be able to go to theaters next week, apparently. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. tell me, Missouri, guys. Tell me how Scoob is. So, this one, guys, our first one, just as a recap, if you haven't gone through that one yet, is basically we were all the Sean Connery and George Lazenby movies, which was just one for George Lazenby, obviously. This one was uh, because Roger Moore did it for goddamn forever. It's seven films just with Roger Moore. And uh, we slowly got to see him age every time. Yes, we did. Yeah, he he, he we got saw his rolled. movies deteriorate along with his face. <laughs> yeah, he I mean his ups and downs. I will say ups and downs as well. I agree with you yeah. there. Uh, yeah. And that's what I will. I'm looking forward to talking about these ones especially because uh, these are definitely more of the ones that people are either love or hate. There's a lot of people that love Roger Moore, obviously, guys. Um, as we talked yeah, about before. Yeah, exactly. People if they grew up with them or. Uh, if these are the ones that you first saw, then obviously you're, you know, nostalgia wise, you're more intended probably to like. Kind of goes better, into so. like our parents uh, growing up with them too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Without further ado, guys, let's get into the James Bond 007 Marathon Part Two. And guys, uh, just a heads up, just like last uh, just like last time, these ones are once again going to be pretty much spoiler alerts all around, so don't um, get mad if we kind of ruin these for you, because we warned you all, and we, ain't, fu- and we, ain't, we ain't fucking around. Yeah, so, uh, movies, guys. It's, it's kind of hard not to spoil these when you talk about them. Yeah, I agree, and it's, it's one of those things where I don't think we're really spoiling much, truthfully, because... A lot of these are by the number, and you could you could pretty much get through them. But just like before, we're going to be going over the movie, quick synopsis, kind of uh, who the Bond villain is in this one, uh, and how they how Bond gets through, and we'll just discuss them through. So it's not it's just just like the last one. We're not changing much. I did add a little bit more into our outline this time. Truthfully, I don't know if you guys read it through them, but uh, without further ado, let's get into our first film here, which is 1973's Live and Let Die.
Roger Moore is James Bond, 007, in Ian Fleming's Live and Let Die. My name's Bond. James Bond. Names is for tombstones, baby. Waste him, now. James Bond is back, and wherever he drops in, it can mean only one thing. Trouble! This is the Bond adventure with more excitement, more action, more danger, and more. Much more. Roger Moore as James Bond, 007. So this one, guys, this is sitting at a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the IMD description is James Bond is sent to stop a diabolically brilliant heroin magnet armed with a complex organization and reliable psychic tarot reader, which is fucking bonkers, right? So this is directed <laughs> wow. by Guy Hamilton. He previously did Goldfinger in 1964 and Diamonds Are Forever in 1971. Uh, the new 007 in this film is Roger Moore. He was about 46 years old when he shot this one. Uh, strangely enough, he's three years older than Sean Connery. So they weren't trying to go for a younger Bond. It's almost like they were just continuing... Um, right. The existing Bonds, you, see, you know, like, hey, he's getting older, kind of. Kind of. That kind of makes sense. Uh, main uh, Bond girl here is Jane Seymour as Solitaire. The villain is Yafit Koto as Dr. Kanenga slash Mr. Big. I don't know if you guys could not tell that that was not the same person, but it's definitely the same person. Yeah. So <laughs> this also stars Clifton James as Sheriff Pepper. Who, uh, everybody in this movie is just a character. Julius Harris is Teehee. Earl Jolly Brown as Whisper. Jeffrey Holder as Baron Samedi. I don't know if you guys know any history on him, but he was uh, he was really big in the 70s. He was the 7-Up commercial guy. My mom recognized him immediately with his voice, which is cool. Wow. Uh, Roy Stewart plays Coral Jr., who is uh, Coral's son from the first movie, Dr. No. Thus the connection, and he's still wearing a red shirt. Uh, David Hudson is Felix Leiter in this one. So here's something kind of funny. He's the only Felix Leiter in the, all of the Roger Moore films. There's no other Felix Leiter because he only shows up in this movie. And actually, he's the same one that also pops up in the Timothy Dalton movies. So oh, he uh, is actually a connection. So I can't is, wait. Yeah, this is the first one. Bernard Lee is, uh, returns as M, and Lois Maxwell comes back as Moneypenny. So what's the villain trying to do here? He's distributing a large cache of heroin into the United States without cost, driving his competitors out of business and gaining a monopoly. How does Bond save the day? Coral Jr. destroys Kanenga's poppy fields with a series of explosives, and Bond kills Kanenga by having him ingest a compressed gas pellet. So I'm going to start with you, Nabil. Uh, I know this is the second time you've seen this one, because this we're, we're closing in on where you and I, our journey ended many <laughs> moons ago. Uh, what did you think about this one? I actually didn't remember everything about the film watching it the second time around, and which was a good thing because I got to feel like I was watching it with a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah. Very much could have easily been a Connery film, a Connery Bond film. Um, the portrayal of Roger Moore. It's it could just have been, like, yeah. yeah, he was just inserted in place of where Sean Connery would have been, and he was playing him kind of similar to that. I did enjoy the film, though, I think. I think that... Uh, the style of the film was still very 60s Bond. It hadn't moved forward yet into kind of the 70s with, with Roger Moore, I feel, that it was yeah. still very much on that sense. Um, Moore, Roger Moore looked really good. I think this is the best he looked in all the series. Obviously, he was younger. I was like, damn, I see why they hurt Put him. your pants back on, Neville. Good God. He was, he, there, was, there was no waistline with those pants he was wearing, I'll tell you that much. He was okay. looking good. Whoa. Gee, I did not. Okay. <laughs> it's a holy part of the month right now, Neville. What are you doing? I know, right? <laughs> It's tense. I don't know. You got me sitting watching these films, but I know. 
uh no it, I, I i enjoyed it it was it was a very different film though yeah um in the sense that it wasn't uh it's the fact that he was basically dealing with drug traffickers seems like something an international espionage spy wouldn't do so that plot line was a little different they they did very much lean into the black exploitation of, oh, the, of the time definitely which which uh it, I guess, is accepted at the time. I think what was interesting, though, I did like that it was a, a very heavy African-American cast, which is, you know, just kind of different in general to see on screen. And um, that was that was a good change of pace um, just in general. So, I, I, I mean, that's true. And, I mean, they do say right when it gets into Harlem, we got a whitey, so... Yeah. You tell me, Nabil. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's very ahead of everybody. its time in that in that regard. I agree there, Nabil. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Marco? I partially agree with Nabil. I enjoyed it. I thought it was still pretty fun, although it was definitely sillier than the previous Bond movies. Like, I thought the last Connery movie, Diamonds Are Forever, was pretty fucking ridiculous. And then this one takes it just a little bit above that. It's still enjoyable. It's not too ridiculous. Marco, Um, may I remind you he was Japanese and you only lived twice? (laughs) Uh, okay, I mean, I don't yeah, know what that, films I mean, he's been watching. Yeah. See, that's not silly. Um, that's just fucking racist. And uh, which, by the way, this this movie is not safe from either. Like no. we talk about characters. There's the sheriff mm-hmm. who Sheriff Pepper the Bayou. Yeah, yeah, Sheriff Pepper. He's man. He's calling everyone. You know, I, I don't boy. mean to repeat what he's saying. Yeah, he's, he's saying every boy. word, but the he's, word that you shouldn't be saying. Basically. Yeah, he's just very, Gentleman. very much like. Uh, He's full blown like racist. You can just tell, and you know. So that movie, this movie is an, is an excuse from that. But going back to what I was going to say, Roger Moore. I don't think I don't really think he echoes much of Sean Connery. He's he just doesn't really seem as comfortable with the role. He seems like he's filling in for someone else's shoes and trying to get acclimated with the character. They do make subtle you know differences. Obviously, he's you know got an English accent rather than a Scottish accent. He smokes cigars, if you notice, rather than cigarettes, and that and that really distinguishes him. Distinguishes early him on. From. Early on, he kind of drops that, kind of later on too. You guys know yeah, that? but I, yeah. I kind of I, I caught that, and I was like, because you always saw Sean Connery smoking a cigarette. They made a big deal of even showing you know the packets as advertisement, and then Roger Moore, you know, to kind of be into his own, make his own character, quote unquote. He you know does Got different stogues, things. Yeah. Like, yeah, the Stokes. Some of the acting is atrocious in this movie. It's just, it's just kind of bad. Um, the character of Rosie, Rosie Carver, yes. For instance, she was. I'm so glad you didn't put her in the credits because no, <laughs> she's she not was worth just it. bad. Dude. I literally wrote in my notes. Rosie is fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah and perfect. the whole being a double agent thing just didn't work. It just, it was just, I don't know. It was just done very bad. Um, I liked the villain of Mr. Big slash uh, Kanaga. Um, I thought he was very interesting, very animated character. He did a good job, even though you can tell it's the same person. He did a good job that, at that at mask playing. bothers the fuck out of me, yo. It looks so bad. <laughs> was I was weird. like, "Can you? Is something wrong yeah. with his face?" Yeah, it was between that and the fake snake at the beginning that I was yeah. disturbed by. I was like, "At the end shit, too, this is bad." <laughs> yeah, it's a mix though. This is a fake snake and a real snake, so they yeah. intercut yeah. the shots. Yeah, you can tell when it's when it's different. Oh yeah, um, you definitely can tell. Yeah. The uh the the fight scenes were were okay. They weren't that bad. They weren't anything to like 
anything to really rave and rant about. I, I thought that the the final scene with uh, uh, Mr. Big, the fight scene, was just kind of bad. It was very, I guess... Very um, anticlimactic, I think. Yeah, anticlimactic. The way he goes out with just, like, swallowing one of those, like, pills and he just blows up, I'm just like, that's just, wow. It's very, the, the, it's the very 60s, T, was better. I think. I think it's very 60s, I'd say. Yeah, very the much, fight with T, yeah. he was, what, was way better. Yeah, uh, that was a good even, fight. I enjoyed yeah. that last part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, some of the, uh, the cinematography was pretty good, especially in the bayou scenes. They had a lot of POV shots with, with the boat scenes, which I thought was very different than some of the other Bond movies, and something I hadn't seen in an older movie except for maybe like the movie bullet which is another classic so i i don't think at least to my knowledge those types of shots were were that common back then so i thought that that added a little different intensity to the action i think the boat scenes in the bayou were probably the most exciting part of the movie and actually a really cool location it's very much different uh baron samiti was very hilarious I was like, "Oh my god, this guy! <laughs> this guy's just fucking nuts." Uh, yeah, he was very I like entertaining. Him. Yeah, but uh, overall, it was just kind of like a for for me the character of Bond. He was just kind of vanilla, you know. He was just kind of there. He, yeah, he, he didn't really do anything that made me feel like it was Bond yet. I will say, it has one of the better Bond songs. "Live and Let Die" is a great oh. song. Oh, great excellent song. song. I did have an issue with all the little different remixes that they played throughout the entire movie. They just overplayed the song a little too much, and I had. I mean, with that. I I agree, but every movie does that. I think almost I, at least it's not like I think Kinda. what was it Goldfinger where they used the Double Seven theme song nonstop mm. as he's checking a hotel room. Like holy fuck! Yeah, but this one this one just used it a little too much. I think like, it was it was more apparent because of the type of song it was it was a rock hey, song. They knew they had a hit. Maybe they had wings. Maybe they're like we got to yeah. use this bitch to the max. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the it's the <laughs> first time I actually hear. <laughs> James Bond curse other than using the word bitch he says shit and son of a bitch in this one I was like oh okay mm. all right got a little chip off your shoulder good good stuff he's an older guy uh, he's allowed to <laughs> yeah uh, but I, I thought that was very different you could you can tell in the style they're very much into the 70s a little more gritty um, a little more kind of on the like adult side of things too like the the love scenes are, and the sex scenes are a little bit more like I guess risky than than the previous ones because i mean you were on the 70s and that's when they started experimenting more with that sort of stuff uh i do want to see james on a glider <laughs> being tugged by nabil on a boat <laughs> Jesus uh every by the way every one of these movies is going to have a james vehicle so on this one it's a, it's a glider overall though i i i say it's um it's a decent Bond film, something to watch, at least. It's entertaining. It's nothing to, to like I said, to really be, like, blown away by, but it's it's still a very, like, entertaining Bond movie, and it's uh, still on the positive side for the Roger Moore movies for me. Yeah, for me, this one's always been... I've, I've never really liked Live and Let Die too much. It, I, I like the theme song, obviously, guys. That's awesome, right? Um, Baron Samedi, I like a lot, probably just because, once again, Goldeneye, Nintendo 64 game. He's one of the secret characters, and uh, he's in one of the levels, too, so it's pretty fun with that. And, you know, it's always cool to understand where these guys finally come from. And um, Jane Seymour is the Bond girl. Like, she's okay, right? She doesn't really bring anything. She doesn't do much. I mean, she's really pretty. I'll give her that much. Medicine woman herself, you know, back in the day. This is one of her first acting roles. 
And um, I have to say that, like, she's definitely one of the ones, like, if she was removed from the entire movie, it probably wouldn't have made no fucking difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no Q in this movie, by the way. He's only mentioned, but he's not in there. No. Uh, I like that Coral Jr.'s uh, their connection to Dr. No, which is awesome, too. I like that, too. It, the whole, I mean, even going back to Solitaire, you have to talk about the whole thing is because, you know, she's a virgin, and that's the powers, and... But then if you look up the age difference between the two, it's like, oh, my God, this is fucking weird, right? <laughs> that kind of made me roll my eyes, too. It's yeah. Like, oh, God, it's using the same trope. So, yeah, I agree with Nabil, too. This is kind of their black exploitation film, in a way, with their black actors and actresses. Um, I did like Teehee. He was cool. I thought Whisper was really cool, too, just because he literally only whispers. He's like, hey, everybody. <laughs> He's basically Nabil. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I was like, why can't this guy talk louder? He's the reason. I was like, what is Black Mr. Nabil doing here, goddammit? Because he, he can't warn him because he hey, can't you talk have something in your thing. What? Speak up, <laughs> motherfucker. Shit. <laughs> That's why he dies. Yeah, JW, I've never been a fan of. I don't know why they try to roll with him for two movies, by the way, too. It's just kind of like, what the fuck's he doing in Taiwan now or whatever? I mean, he blows up at the end, which is hilarious. I was laughing my ass off when Mr. Big blows up. It was it looked like a Willy Wonka. Like, <laughs> it was very dude, weird. Was, yeah. 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 But, dude, the whole thing is, they're so anticlimactic with these, but I think every Bond film up until a certain point is anticlimactic for their... They don't know how to end them well. Like, with the yeah. bad guys, they're like, hey, they're just, this is what's well, going to happen. They want to get. they want to make that trope about him getting caught with a girl or whatever. Oh, it's every you, time. You, that James, was a thing for go, a while. Going off of that, it's usually there's something, some event or something that happens after the main bad guy fight that's even better. And it's like, why wasn't this like the big scene? True. Which I almost want to I'm not sure. We'll, we'll get to it on these ones. But that's all yeah. I really have to say about uh, Live and Let Die. I mean, I still like uh, Baron. Like I said, Baron Samedi, I think he's awesome. Yeah. He's just kind of cool. He's just, like I said, plus he's a 7-Up guy. Look that shit up. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to now. All right, and that brings us to our next Bond movie in the Roger Moore series, The Man with the Golden Gun. What do you know about a man called Scaramanga? The Man with the Golden Gun. He always uses a golden bullet. This trinket is set with a note requesting special delivery to you. I have never seen Mr. Scaramanga. This is impossible. I can't. I can't tell you. Don't kill me. Who? Go, Mark. Roger Moore, back in action in the exotic east as James Bond, 007, on a collision course with the most dangerous man alive. So this movie came out in 1974. It's got a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, so... Not as good as its predecessor. It's and actually, plot- I don't mean to interrupt, that's our first technically rotten James Bond film out of all of them so far. Oh, wow. None of them right. have been rotten. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, they've just been kind of hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> right that's, in the, in the, around nice the 60s. It's like, yeah. okay. Some hit right, 80, some hit 90, dip. but, you know. Yeah. Sorry about that, Marco. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. I just, I, I, wouldn't, I'm, I wouldn't have caught that. So, yeah, yeah good catch. James Bond. The plot for this one is James Bond is targeted by the world's most expensive assassin while he attempts to recover sensitive solar cell technology that is being sold to the highest bidder. Not the wildest plot, but still kind of crazy. This one is directed by Guy Hamilton, who also did Goldfinger back in 1964 and Diamonds Are Forever in 71. And he also did the previous movie, Live and Let Die. So, who's 007 in this movie? Uh, once again, it's Roger Moore. As we mentioned, we are doing the Roger Moore series. He's 47 in this one. 
and the main Bond girl is Britt Eklund as Mary Goodnight, which is <laughs> these Bond girl names just get fucking. Silly you know what? This sillier. one's tame though. This one's tame. Yeah, you know. You know what? Actually, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mind it too much. It, yeah. it, it wasn't too silly, but it wasn't you know too out there either. The villains are the late Christopher Lee as Francisco Scaramanga. This also stars Clifton James as a cameo as Sheriff Pepper. Herb uh, via Chase as Nicknat. I probably botched his name, but y- you may know this character from the old 70s show Fantasy Island. And uh, Richard Liu as High Fat. Bernard Lee comes back to play M. And Lois Maxwell comes back to play Money Penny. Desmond Llewellyn comes back to play Q and actually appears in this one. What's the main villain trying to do here? Kill James Bond and sell the Solex Agitator, a device that can harness solar energy for destructive purposes. Okay. How does Bond save the day? Bond retrieves the Agitator for MI6 and defeats Scaramanga in Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Sorry. <laughs> basically. I mean, he gets challenged to a duel, basically, like old school, you know, style. Yeah. Let's start with you, James. What did you think about this one? I mean, we all kind of have to like this a little bit because of the Golden Gun, right? Because, once again, the fucking GoldenEye 007 N64 <laughs> game. Now uh, you know where it comes from. It, the three nipples didn't do it for you? Oh, uh, You know what? Even as a kid, that never bothered me, but I didn't notice how bad they looked like until I saw them in 4K before Amazon took that away from us. <laughs> yeah, it looked pretty bad. Yeah, so this one, I truthfully... I don't think this is a 44%er movie, truthfully. This is a movie that I've always somewhat kind of liked. I actually like this movie better than Live and Let Die. I think the pacing is still... Uh, pacing on this one's a little bit slow, I'll say. I didn't realize yeah. how slow it was until I was watching it. I was like, fuck, man. Uh, I hate the theme song. It's terrible. Uh, I like that they do make some references to Double O Agents. They do that more and more in the Roger Moore series. Like They were talking about Double O Two at one point. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, Q is back, which is cool. You know, uh, He's just talked about before, and it's more like... You know, uh, I will say once again, I, I, I didn't bring this up in the last one, but these last two movies were still considered kind of like written for Sean Connery. Yeah. And you can definitely tell like he's very handsy with the women in this one again when he's slapping uh, chicks in the face. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I oh. have that in my notes, too. I was like, yeah, and I was handsy again. OK. But once again, that's very much a Connery kind of thing, because after this, uh, the bond, the, the bond and the rest never does anything even close to something like that. It's like, OK, so. I don't know. It's just one of those things where, like, Goodnight, I feel, is she's just there to look pretty. She really doesn't add anything to this one either. She's literally showing up and just like, uh, and like, she's in love with James so much. It's insane. And like, she's like, she is <laughs> such a horrible agent, too. Yeah. And she's willing to she's do all this stuff. Job. And everyone's like, all right. And like, because, you know, Bond's smashing on the other chick. And she's like, you got to wait in the closet. And I'm like, this is, this is pretty dumb. And she's not smart at all. She's really stupid. I don't. I uh, I wrote some really fucked up stuff on my notes, but like she's she's really not good, man. Um, you know, like how she tries <laughs> to escape from a moving car and doesn't try to when it stopped. Yeah. Once again, it's just one of those things where it doesn't make a lot of sense. I once I don't know why they keep trying to shove Sheriff Pepper down her mouth. I'm glad that this is the last time we see him. They literally yeah. have like a Dukes of Hazards fucking moment at one point where they jump the bridge uh, over the water trying to get after Scaramanga. Uh, I love Dick Knack in this movie though. I love him. His character is really cool. He's one of those. Uh, he's pretty much playing the same character from Fantasy Island, for the look of it. But yeah, kind of um, yeah, tiny typecasting, type but it kind of works for his role. And I thought, you know, as much as you know, we're not supposed to really make fun of it, but I guess he had a great time making the movie. So you know, fuck it. Overall, it's pretty 
predictable near the end, I'd say. The whole plot of, like, how they're going to get out of there and killing Scaramanga. Once again, he kills Scaramanga almost too quick. Like, you know he's going to use that statue. Like, you see it in the beginning of the movie. You're like, yeah. oh, I wonder if that's going to come into play. You're like, oh, that's weird. And then it's just, you know, once again, good night, just really fucking stupid. Like, what button do I press? And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, just hit the fucking blinking red button. Yeah, it's, I did, I had a problem with just how, like, ditzy they made her, and I was like, Jesus Christ, guys, really? Yeah. And then I did write at the end, Nick Knack with the little knife, it said equals adorable, because it was kind of cute, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> she little, he, he pulled that little baby knife out, bro, he's like, yeah, Monsieur Bond. Uh, but yeah, overall, I liked it better than the last one, but it, it's still, and once again, this is still, I think this is still considered to be at least a decent one, because some of the train wrecks we get to later, you know, so... What about you, Nabil? Um, there's definitely worse films out there from in the Bond franchise, especially in the more era. But um, yeah, I, I wasn't as big of a fan of this one. Honestly, I just thought the plot was very thin. You know, the whole agitator solar thing. Like, it's like okay, I didn't get. Uh, you know, I liked seeing Christopher Lee. I thought he was a good enough villain, but there was just no real motivation for killing Bond. Even, even you know, they kind of tease him in the beginning with the wax figure that he, and um, Nick Neck kind of mentions that he, he has a lot of respect for Bond, you know, as an assa- fellow assassin, essentially, is how he looks at him. But, um, yeah, I just didn't see the motivation there. Uh, it's almost, Nabil, I think he just wanted to go after, like, the deadliest prey, like, the yeah, most deadliest kind of people. Ended up being and I way. mean, he's technically telling him throughout the movie, though, that he doesn't even want to get in his way. Like, get out of my way. Exactly. Bond's yeah. kind of pushing his head into his fucking, uh, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of inserts himself in the situation. That race scene at the it was uh was was kind of cool though the chase scene, but at the same time, you know, Sheriff Pepper kind of seemed weird to have him in there just inserted. He just randomly there, him. like yeah. I'm also in the Oriental country. Like, I remember you. You're that English agent person. <laughs> I was like, okay. God, again, just being he was being just blatantly racist. Yeah. Um, I think he calls th- them pointed heads at one point. I wrote in my thing. <laughs> Jesus. Swear to God, yes. yeah, he calls them pointy yeah, heads. No, I remember that. Yeah, I said, wow. <laughs> yeah, he does. I was like, I paused it and I was like, wow. Okay. The I think the duel at the end was probably the best scene for me. Just you know where they were going around, and all the, it was a booby trapped room, and it was very tense. The, mu- the lack of music and just kind of going around. That was that was a a good scene overall. Um, even how it ended, even though yes, it was very predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I just I wasn't as big as a fan, and most of it is just that there wasn't much happening. Like you said, it was kind of slow, James, um, and there wasn't a lot happening to keep the film exciting. Um, and the and again, the the motive for Scaramanga's uh, essentially plot, not just to kill James, but just his overall plot with the agitator thing, is just very thin. Yeah, he's like yeah. it's shiny. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. I was like, damn, dog, hurt my eyes. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Marco? I'm kind of in between both you guys. I do agree with you, James, that I don't think it earns that 44%. I think that's a little too harsh for this one. I did like this one better than Live and Let Die, with the exception of the, the Bond theme song. I thought it was just crappy. The one, not just this like, one was terrible. Yeah, not not just the song itself, but even... I. It's, James disagrees with me on this, but I don't like the little tweaks they do with the 007 song in every one of these movies i just uh i like the original better but you know that's just you know that's my preference hey it was but experimental yeah, this, in the 70s bro they were trying yeah. to change things up, i think they know? they don't go back to it till later dude yeah it's a while yeah 
Yeah, I do think that Roger Moore is a little bit more comfortable with the role here. He just seemed a little bit smoother in this one, a little bit more ruthless, too. When he's trying to find information about Scaramanga and he goes to interrogate the, the dancer chick and then the goons show up and he gets into a fight, he's very ruthless in that fight. And it's something that wasn't prevalent in, in the previous movie, and I like that. He just seems a little bit more comfortable in the role, and it shows in the action, too. He's He, he kind of yeah. really owns the character a little bit more in this, which I really liked. The man with the golden gun, Count Dooku himself, I thought he was <laughs> an awesome villain. I'll give, uh, yeah, calculative. I didn't bring that up either. Yeah, I, I, like that Chris, I like Christopher Lee in this role, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's yeah. very much like, he's almost like another anti-Bond in a way, mm-hmm. where he always gets his guy. He's very deadly. He's uh, very good at shooting a gun. Although the gun itself, I gotta admit, it looks fucking stupid. It does, it but it, so it's a very... I, I'll, I'll defend it just because that's the look of it, I guess. It's three different things, and it becomes one to become a gun. So it's like a yeah, a spy tool in a way. The the different locations was, was pretty cool. Uh, they had I think they had a little bit more locations in this one than the previous one. I like the set of the Queen Elizabeth being sunken, being a secret agent. Yeah, that one's really cool. I thought, yeah. that was pretty cool. I thought it was ridiculous that it's still sideways, though, and then they built around it. I'm like, what kind of yeah. Willy Wonka bullshit is this? <laughs> right? Come I on. Kinda, I kind of like that. It was very yeah. secret agent, secret agent ish. The the fucking heavy racism and uh, like anti, like China propaganda during like the 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 China scenes were just kind of just ridiculous, and they yeah. were too like on the nose. It was probably like my only real qualms aside from the uh, resentment towards women in some of the scenes too. I don't think that Goodnight getting assaulted at the end was necessary. I thought that was just kind of very like weird, and I was like, they really didn't need the scene, but okay, that's that's fine. I mean, bro, they put her um, in a bikini for the last twenty five minutes of the movie. Oh too, yeah, bro. Yeah, Thank you. and uh, she's although she's more prominent in this movie, like she really was unnecessary. Like I said, she's just a bad secret agent. When she gets like kidnapped, she can't figure out like when's a good time to escape and when's not. Yeah, like, she she's, can't feel the car moving or anything. She's like, a damsel in distress to the max, bro. Yeah, although. JW Pepper is annoying. I do admit that the the car chase with him was just like a little better than this. Probably the better chase scene in the movie. All the other ones just kind of like suck and were. It's kind of cool that it's like not as good. Practical too. Yeah the the James vehicle in this one is the 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 car with the brown car. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) I I really want to see James in that. I don't know why. I when I saw that, happen. I was like, well, that's the one. <laughs> I could point him out every movie, too. I'm like, oh, Marco's going to talk about this stupid fucking uh, thing. Um, though, I will admit, Nabil, I did like the shootout between Scaramanga and Bond. The fact that, like, Bond, you have, like, six or seven bullets in your magazine, and Scaramanga's like, I only need the one. Right. Um, even though it was cheesy that I actually had 007 written on the gun. It's literally a bullet with his name on it. But exactly. It was for him, Whatever. Bro. It's for him. It's just death. Uh, the, the explosion effects are much better in this one than the previous movie, too. It, it felt like it had, a, like, a better budget. The the whole plot, the fucking... It's a ray gun. It's a solar ray gun. And I was Basically. like, wow. And he's just trying Holy to sell shit. it. He's like, to the highest bidder, whoever wants it. I know this is taking place during the energy crisis, too. I mean, they only mention it 20 times. So... Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of crazy that the, the tech that they're talking about back then is something that we can do now, and they were craving it so bad back then, and now that we can do it, we're just like, no, nah, it's, it's good, man. We don't, we don't need to. I just thought that was hilarious. Overall, entertaining movie, not as 
easily paced as the previous one, but I think it's a little more tolerable. The the bad guy is I I just I like Christopher Lee. I think he's awesome in everything he does. And I thought he was a solid bad guy, which is cool and you know, bad guy makes the hero. So um yeah, I definitely like this one better. Alright, on to the next film. The Spy Who Loved Me. Major Masova, Russian agent. Let them get ashore and then kill them. This film came out in 1977. It's got a 79% Rotten Tomato score. In this film, James Bond investigates the hijacking of British and Russian submarines carrying nuclear warheads with the help of a KGB agent whose lover was killed by Bond. It is directed by Lewis Gilbert, who does a future movie as well, Moonraker. Uh, Roger Moore is now 50 years old in this film. Uh, the main Bond girl is Barbara Bach as Anya Amosova. I'm going to say that. Um, <laughs> the villain in this film is Kurt Jurgens as Carl Stromberg. Um, it's also starring Richard Keel as Jaws, uh, Walter Gotell as General Anatole Gogol, Jeffrey Keane as Sir Frederick Gray, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, Bernard Lee again as M, and Lois Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. So what are the villains trying to do here? They're trying to capture a British submarine and a Soviet submarine and fire a nuclear warhead from both, luring Britain and the Soviet Union into a nuclear war, later repopulating with a new world formed under the ocean. How does Bond save the day? Bond redirects the British and Soviet nuclear missiles coordinates so that the missile fired by each sub hits the other, destroying them. Meanwhile, Stromberg is killed by Bond. That's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all kind of happening at the same time. So, uh... James. Yeah. What did you think about this film? Uh, I like this one a lot. I I, um, I must have liked it a lot before, maybe. I don't I don't recall, but this is definitely one that probably gets mixed up with all of Roger Moore's films, I think. So I, I maybe I forgot about it. I'm not sure. But right. I think, hands down, this is Roger Moore's best movie as James Bond. Um, by this time, the they got a different writing team as well in here, so that they got to um, actually write kind of for Roger Moore for, toward his strengths of being kind of more suave and sophisticated and all that shit right so that's kind of you know you know he was more investigative too like very um you know actually feels like he's following clues to get to somewhere in this film yeah uh i will say though it's a stronger bond girl too actually which i liked anya amazova actually is kind of his equal when it comes down to doing things because she's working for the kgb and she's trying to figure shit out you know um because this is the first time, by the way, so uh, Gogol, played by Walter Gotol, and Sir Frederick Gray, who's the Minister of Defense, they kind of take over for the next five or six movies. And you see them more and more in all these films, and they kind of keep popping up. Um, so, for instance, I think I think really just overall the story is pretty damn good, man. It's more grounded as well. It's not as... I mean, yeah, the fucking life under the sea kind of thing is kind of it's almost uh copied in the next film but it's life in the space right so right, if you basically. think about it uh i it. absolutely love jaws i think he's one of the best villains like 007 history i guess also once again he's in the fucking goldeneye 007 game <laughs> if you were playing as jaws though you put yourself as a disadvantage because he was too tall uh i also got to meet richard keel before he passed away so i've actually met him i got oh, to nice. sh- i got cool. to shake his hand talk to him a little bit too uh face to face at wondercon Quite a few years back, so I've maybe I'm a little biased sort too, but super super fucking nice guy. One thing that I like too is the different locations. I like the fact that they kind of like 
like Stromberg is a cool bad guy to a point. Obviously, Jaws I think kind of takes over more for it because Joe Biden. Yeah, <laughs> that was like so. Wow, Joe Joe Biden's the bad guy in this one. Huh? He's telling everybody about <laughs> some pool times too. I was like, this is getting weird. Um, I like the whole little the water uh, the base area and all that shit too. I thought that was cool. There, uh, once again. It's still a really anticlimactic death for Stromberg. He literally just gets yeah. shot by Bond. Like, oh, well, fuck it. That's it. And then Bond moves on to, like you saying to Bill, there's usually something bigger afterwards. Uh, y- you seem to forget, <laughs> Bond, I believe, shot him in the testicles, sir. <laughs> did he? Yes, he, he shot did. him under the table, bro. No, that's I, just I was like, that's a gut shot, sir. Mm, I don't know. He man. was crouching like this, bro. He's like, dude. Hey, Mr. Pretty Bond. sure he shot him in the dick, dude. It was a dick shot. <laughs> Maybe, bro. Uh, Joss literally kills a fucking shark at the end too, which I thought was hilarious. Like, Bites to death. Everybody else is getting killed by the sharks, but Jaws falls in and is like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna murder this fool." And they really could show what Jaws was doing. This dude is literally ripping people's throats out with his fucking teeth. I was like, "Oh my god, dude." Um, I like the scene too when they're in Egypt and they're like in the darkness, and that's the first time Bond kind of runs into Jaws and sees him killing someone. It's very like almost horror esque, the shadow of it, and he just kind of sees him standing over yeah. the body. I-, I like that too. It's just the scenery. Overall, though, a solid movie. Um, I thought this one had probably the best pacing out of any of the movies, and um, definitely I could see where they, you know, with the potential of Roger Moore could have been with just if they based him off kind of like this one performance. So yeah. All right. What about you, Marco? What did you think? I got to admit, I'm on board with everything James said. I really like this one. This is, um, I know we're not really supposed to say this yet, but this is definitely one of my top favorite Roger Moore ones. Um, I never knew that the the theme song, Nobody Loves Me Better. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. Loved me. I yeah. like that song. Great song. I really like it, too. Great I song. never knew it was from a Bond movie. Yeah. It's been used in commercials, you know, in advertisements. And I've heard it so many times, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of catchy. And I never knew it was from uh, the Bond movie, so yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I still don't like how they changed the double O theme, but well, whatever. The the reusing the the reusage of ski scenes again, I believe, gets repetitive in these movies. Though they it's just another ski times. chase. It's they're great shots. Don't don't get me wrong. But I think like the snow scenes just get a little overused too much. I'm like, uh, can I give you okay. one trivia fact about this one? Yeah, this is the one where he's the yellow jumpsuit right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I believe so. This was voted like the number two moment when he does the uh, British flag when he in the when he Union jumps Jack. Yeah. the Union Jack. Uh, Prince yeah. Charles when he saw it like stood up and like like was clapping in the theater that he saw it and everybody went wild. So this oh, this dope. scene is technically like a, was a big deal at the time. Obviously, to us, don't get me wrong. This, this yeah. one, this one, I enjoyed. I liked that. That was really. I'm cool. pretty sure Prince I Charles just, hadn't I, I seen just, fucking nine movies previously though. Too right the night before. It, it like, had, let me get through these yeah. fucking scenes. Like I said, the the cinematography was really good. Yeah. I just think late later on, uh, like there's a snow scene in almost every movie from from here on out. I think um, the Russian plot uh, again. Uh, but I mean, like James said, you know these are going to be recurrent villains um so i mean there's probably going to be a little bit more of that if you guys will we'll see but um uh yeah. i do agree bond is definitely his own or at least the roger moore version is definitely in his own this is where he I, at least in my eyes where he really gets a handle on the character and is the roger moore bond he's very smooth he's a little more calculative than this one too i like how triple x the the femme fatale in this one 
I like how she's able to actually like keep up with Bond as far they don't make her consistent, but she is able to go toe to toe with Bond, and it's a reversal because he instead of using the chick for intel and escaping, it's pulled on him, and it's the first time I ever seen that done. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh, shit, look at that. Like, she's like a double agent, and she's able to trick you, which is cool. He also gets rejected twice in this in this movie, which is something that had never happened to James Bond, and I like that. They just kind of make him like a different James Bond, his own, and I, I kind of like that. Although he is back to using women as shields again because he grabs a woman and uses her as a shield as he's getting shot at. And I was like, God damn it, dude. I had hope for you. Um, she was one of guy. the bad chicks, though, wasn't she? True. Yeah. True. Yeah, so you got to remember. Stromberg is hella fucking ruthless from the get-go. Like, his lover or whoever at the beginning, like, he, he, just, he just makes it a point to make an example out of her. And he kills anyone that he just, like, yeah. doesn't trust. He doesn't bullshit around, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, although I do agree, Jaws is by far my favorite villain in this one. He's a very capable henchman. The train fight was pretty cool as well because it's in close quarters. And it's it's a rough fight, too. It's not an easy one. They're really going toe-to-toe. I thought the fight scene in that was very well uh, choreographed. Punching Jaws in the face was classic. Yeah, I like <laughs> that, though. It's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, how do you, how do you think that's not going to hurt? I want to see... Uh, <laughs> It, during like the the base fight, there's a giant bomb that's uh, big and round, <laughs> and uh, James Bond uh, when they when they're trying to defuse it or whatever, he's riding it. I want to see James ride that. Not the jet it's ski. Not technically <laughs> a vehicle, <laughs> but <laughs> not the little jet ski. <laughs> he's like and the little jet ski too. <laughs> this one's got a twofer because I saw quite a few things and I was like, oh my. By the way, first ever jet ski, by the way, in that movie. First ever jet ski. I was dying. Stromberg's death, like I said, it was fucking brutal. I mean, whether it's a gut shot or a dick shot, I don't know what it is, but it it was, you know, it was a little subpar, but it's still kind of brutal the way he just shot him under under the table, kind of Han Solo style. So I kind of like that. I even wrote in my notes. I was like, wow, Bond, ruthless again. And the fact that... Uh, Jaws escapes because I never I was wondering about that because I couldn't remember if Jaws was a current villain or not but I like how he escapes and the fact that he was able to overpower that shark against sharks I think they use sharks in the previous movie too they use a lot of the same animals over and over again in these movies it's like kind of the bad guy and trope sharks. yeah and I'm like oh okay yeah. whatever uh, very very good movie all in all I really like this one like I said it's it's at the top of my list and it's one of my uh, favorite, if not favorite, Roger Moore James Bond movie. If anything, if you don't want to watch the entire series, for me, I say like definitely watch this one. Um, it's good, very nice. Yeah. Um, well, since Marco and James have just picked all the meat off the bone of this film, <laughs> sorry, we'll give you more opportunities later. Sorry, fuck. <laughs> There's. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll give you Moonraker. <laughs> did, did you like it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a good film. That's that's all I gotta say. <laughs> the Bill's like what they said. Done. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's move on to the next film, guys. Going to give uh, Nabil a little more chance here. We have uh, 1979's Moonraker. From the most exotic locations on Earth, Moonraker will transport you to another world. Trifle overpowering your scent. Holly was a warm girl with the right connections. 
this possibly be the moment for us to pool our resources? We would be better off working together. More excitement, more thrills, more spills. And guess who's dropped in for a bite? Jaws is back. So this movie came out in 1979, like I said. This is 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. The description is James Bond investigates the mid-air theft of a space shuttle and discovers a plot to commit global genocide. Directed by Lewis Gilbert, who did the previous movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, Roger Moore is about 52 in this one. He's starting to, starting to get there. Uh, the main Bond girl is Lois Chiles as Holly Goodhead. Oh, I've got a couple eyebrow <laughs> things. And then uh, the villain is Mike. Uh, it's actually James Ring is Hugo Drax. That's weird. I'm what? sorry. <laughs> Michael Lonsdale is Hugo Drax. He has a. <laughs> I have an uncanny resemblance to this guy. So if, if any of you guys know, it's like, that's James, guys. Just <laughs> like James. You guys can look him up. Uh, Naboo looks like several of the characters in Octopussy just because. And then Marco looks like some of the Hispanic farmers in future movies. So it's weird. <laughs> I just want to say James is wild in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Richard Keel actually returns his jaws in this movie. Uh, Jeffrey Keen. Ret- everybody returns. Nobody's. There's not a lot of new characters in the movie other than Hugo Drax and the uh, Bond, girl. Bond girl. So Jeffrey Keen comes back as the Minister of Defense. Desmond Lewin is Q. Bernard Lee is M. Lois Maxwell is Miss Money Money, Money Miss Moneypenny. Uh, what is Villain trying to do here? He's going to fire a nerve agent from space, poisoning Earth's atmosphere, and killing off the human population, thus rebuilding humanity in space with carefully selected humans. Uh, how does Bond save the day? The space station containing the poisonous globes are destroyed by U.S. Marines, and the three globes that were launched are destroyed by Bond and Holly. Drax is killed by a poison-tipped dart from Bond and ejected into space. So, Nabil, what did you think about this one? You know, this is the film I was actually looking forward to the most to watch because um, I had heard so many things about how big of a scale it is, how epic the film was. And, you know, it's also Bond in space. Yeah. <laughs> so I was very intrigued. And um, honestly, except for the film's ending battle scene, the movie overall was, was way more entertaining than I expected it to be. I was I was for it. I was going through each all the motions of getting him into space. Mm-hmm. Um the visuals are a big step up here uh, with some crazy set pieces and even the graphics is in space are pretty top of the line. Um, you know, they're, I know that they really were trying to go after that's the Star Wars phenom at the time. So they were really trying to up the budget and, and get you that space feel. And uh, I even I even read that the the visuals are actually nominated for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. Is cool. And then, of course, seeing Jaws, seeing a recurring henchman come back in the film. Um, was really cool and Jaws is like you guys were saying earlier Jaws was a great henchman and just as menacing in this film um, yeah. very much a threat and and Bond knew it and was really hard to kind of every time they encountered each other to combat himself so um, and he had at, Jaws had a good arc kind of weird at the end but you know yeah kind of weird he had a little redemption arc so which is good I did like the gondola race scene in Venice yeah. it was ridiculous <laughs> Uh, especially when it seemed to be a random boat that he had just found, and then suddenly it's not. It's a, it can turn into a speedboat. So that was hey man, was he knows so he knows how to pilot anything. Okay, yeah. they love boat chases in these movies. They do. They, I don't know what that's about, but it was cool to see him go around in Venice for a little bit. Um, went land, air, and sea, man. Came out of a plane yeah. in the beginning. Exactly, and then he went to to Rio on the cable car, which is really cool. 
um, again with Jaws was very very tense, cool scene, yeah. time. very yeah. cool scene and uh, entertaining. I think that's what was really good about like from from the last film to this film, where the stunts are just like really big, um, much more. Uh, I'd say realistic. They they do spend a lot more time with the practical stunts than you know speed up sped up brawls that like Sean Connery did, and of course it's also the technology's advanced. But yeah, um, they just seeing those kind of scenes were even now watching it you know 40 years later it's pretty pretty cool to just see it out on screen i think the the one hang-up i had again was at the end of the space battle it's 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 the idea that the marines first of all can send a shuttle to space space force bro shit yeah and not they already knew ahead i of time. was just gonna say not the air force or nasa it's it's the marines and then second that they essentially house a whole bunch of space marines ready to do battle in space with no less than of course Lasers, not guns. Master Chief, bro, shit, come on, son. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? So I was like, okay, this is the Star Wars reference. They yeah, got it is. Out over there in space, you know. So I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. Here. But yeah, overall, I, I thought it was a good entry in the film, worth watching. I, and uh, apparently, the highest-grossing film, a Bond film at the time, up until J, uh, GoldenEye, it made two hundred and ten million dollars, so quite a bit of money. Definitely. Uh, what about you, uh, Marco? I still thought this movie was fun. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what Nabil said. I like that uh, <laughs> that you're in this movie, James. Yeah. <laughs> you just make such a fucking awesome villain. I just want to say that. Kill them um, all. <laughs> I thought the, the plot, yeah, it's a reversal from the previous movie where instead of life underwater, it's life in space, like you've said. It's kind of crazy and goes back to being like out there. Can we mention now that Raker, this one was not supposed to come out, though? Yeah, it wasn't supposed. This to was it's yeah for your eyes only. They, even at the end of the credits, yeah, at the end of the credits, it said that the the next movie was the next movie. Yeah, but uh, because Star Wars came out, everybody was space happy, sci fi happy. They decided to push it up. So maybe maybe if we had had a movie between, we wouldn't have been burned on the plot so bad. Sorry, Marco. Oh yeah, yeah. that's we true. We can tell that the Star Wars is uh, inspiring everybody. So Moonraker was essentially just a fucking space shuttle. That's what it is. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. What do you think it was? Like, <laughs> I mean, I I thought it was, I thought it was something else like a tool you use on the moon to break dirt. <laughs> it's, no, it's like <laughs> wouldn't it make sense to call the space station Moonraker? No, sir. It's the shuttles. They're Moonraker one through five, baby. God, I was just like, so it's a space shuttle. Just just call it a fucking space shuttle, anyway. I I do um, think it's funny though, Marco, at the beginning, especially with the space shuttle thing, where you know, first of all, when they had the plane and they were they they essentially stole back the shuttle. That it was full of gas to take and then ignite and blow. And then at the very end, where it's like, why'd you take it? And he's just like, uh, we needed it because one of mine didn't work. <laughs> so yeah. I needed to use this one. I'm like, oh, okay. That explains uh, that beginning. You revealed your whole plot because you were out on one? Like, yeah, couldn't you have just waited? Basically. He's like, if he didn't do that, yeah, it would have been fine. Like, I, I needed it. I'm like, you didn't have any contingency plans for this. But um, yeah, man, Hugo Drax, that guy is fucking loaded. I'm just gonna he's basically like uh, evil Elon Musk, is essentially, you know. He's basically trying to do what Elon Musk wants to do on Mars. The uh the only real good fight scene, um, aside from the end melee scene, which I did enjoy, by the way, Nabil, I didn't hate it, uh, <laughs> was the centrifuge scene during like the training was was like pretty intense. There was um was l- some really good action scenes in that. <laughs> Um, I was laughing during that. This part. this is coming early. The <laughs> the vehicle I want to see James inside of is the little tester. Tester, they knew it. Jesus <laughs> Christ. 
could. Uh, fun, fun fact, there there is actually a story involving something similar to that in James on our trip to San Diego that we'll talk about someday. But um, overall, like the, the plot is not like the craziest. I thought it was, you know, very typical James Bondish. Um, Roger Moore, he does pretty good as, as James Bond in this one. I liked him more, though, in the previous movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. <sighs> He's a little cheesier in this one. I just got to say it. I mean, maybe it's just the whole plot. Maybe the fact that the movie was probably rushed, but um, it's just a little—it's a little cheesy. Even the Jaws fight scenes, I didn't really like that much. I thought that he was way more menacing the previous one. And then when Jaws crashes at some point, there's no way he'd survive that crash, and he still does. He just survives everything. They make it—they level that up to like 11. And like the previous movie is a little bit more believable, still cheesy, but not to the level that this is. They just like make him basically invincible in this. Um, though I thought I did thought it was cute that he found like someone that loves him or whatever. Like, yeah, like, random, like, a little random. Him, yeah, the whole like space scene though, like in, in at the end, I thought was really cool though. Even the lasers, the the effects didn't look that bad. And then doing a zero G scene when um when Goodhead turns off the the gravity, like it's cool that she actually knows what to do. Also that she's not dumb, even though her fucking name is is very stupid. I like that uh, James found out that she's actually a spy, even though he did it by breaking into her bedroom, which was very shady. And I was like, bro, you're just walking into a fucking private room. But still, the fact that she knew how to hold up her own and, and knew what she was doing was pretty cool. It was kind of uh, echoing like the previous Bond girl actually being able to, go, to, to be relevant in the movie. So overall, very crazy movie. Yeah, it's a little silly, but... It's it's entertaining and um, I mean it's visually I thought that it was pretty cool. There are some really cool cinematic shots, even not in space, that I that I really liked as well. So I mean it's an entertaining movie. That's you know it's not too cheesy and it's not too like um, and it's not too serious. So I still liked it. Yeah, um, I think this is the second best movie. So overall, I, I agree with you guys. Just touching on some bases here that you guys didn't go over. Uh, you can really tell like money penny and them are getting old as fuck in this movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. because he doesn't hit on her. Right, this is getting weird. Right, uh, last appearance is M as well. Sadly, he passed away. Uh, after this movie, it's done with cancer. So, last time that you see M, uh, played by Bernard Lee, of course. Jaws. I like the Jaws scenes actually. I like when he busts out of the plane and it's unexpected at the time. Audience members didn't know that shit. Like, holy fuck, is that Jaws? All right, and he's coming down. That's a pretty iconic scene of him doing that take too. Uh, I like. I agree with the bill. I like the scene where he's on top of the car. I mean, yeah, he falls down, but come on, guys, we were, they fought with lasers at the end. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> he could probably survive that, I guess. <laughs> Hugo Drax is probably one of the better villains, actually. I actually liked him yeah. a lot. Um, I liked you as a villain too, James. Yeah. <laughs> Regard. It's a widow's peak. I couldn't stop. Laughing. That's all the fucking connection is. We both have widow's peaks. There's yeah. some pretty dark moments in this one, like when the chick gets killed by those dogs that take her out. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know? I know, right? I was. Yeah. I wrote like, Oh my god! I'm like, She's dead. I'm like, damn, she didn't make it. Because basically, she betrayed Hugo Jackson. He's like, release the dogs. And I was like, Holy fuck! What the hell? Yeah, um, it's pretty vicious. Jaws in the clown outfit was creepy as fuck when he's approaching Goodhead. <laughs> I thought that was a creepy ass scene, dude, when he's like walking toward her. Once again, they use him in like horror aspects, which are kind of cool. Like he's in the alleyway and he's in a thing and he's just walking toward oh, her. Almost killed her. Basically. Yeah, and then it if dead. it wasn't for uh, Marco's cousins rolling up and fucking grabbing everyone, they'd be. She <laughs> you know what? Dead. Actually, I I didn't mention that because um because I forgot. But yeah, I agree that actually is a good scene. Yeah, it's hella creepy. 
he's getting closer and then you're just like oh shit it's fucking jaws yeah uh, i like the scene too i thought it was creepy when he fights the big ass snake in the water obviously it's a fake one near the end but in the beginning it is a, <laughs> it is actual real python so i mean that's just kind of creepy i was like holy shit this is weird what's it's cool that bond turns jaws into an ally it's kind of an unlikely an alliance and that's not the first time that he does this so um i disagree with the bill i like the space scene i thought it was cool but once again, really? yeah, it's cheesy, but also, once again, look at the movie you're looking at, bro. I will say I do love Q's line. I think it's the most iconic line he's ever said at the very end. When they're like, what's Spawn up to? He's like, I think he's attempting reentry. I fucking love that line, dude. I'm like, <laughs> you dirty son of a bitch, Q. And yeah, that's Moonraker. Still pretty good, though. Yeah, I liked it. Okay, and on to the next Roger Moore Bond movie. For your eyes only. <laughs> Five days ago, our spy ship sunk in the Ionian Sea. She was equipped with ATAC. Have we begun a salvage operation? We asked Sir Timothy Havelock to secretly locate the wreck. He and his wife were killed by Hector Gonzalez. Police were able to identify Gonzalez by Melina, Sir Havelock's daughter. Explosive. Exclusive. Well, I trust you, Alcar. For your amazement, this bond is for you. So we're dipping into 80s territory now. This one uh, came out in 1981. It's got a Rotten Tomato score of 71%. And the plot for this one is James Bond is assigned to find a missing British vessel equipped with a weapon encryption device and prevent it from falling into enemy hands. Did you take oh, note of that, Nabil? I just want to make sure you know the plot. Kind of basic. <laughs> Very, very basic. Nabil is like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I really didn't. Yeah. Sorry. This one's directed by John Glenn, who does Octopussy in 1983, A View to Kill in 1985, The Living Daylights in 1987, and License to Kill in 1989. So he finishes basically every Bond film movies. up until Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, he did the rest of uh, yeah. He does all the movies, basically. So John Glenn from now until Dalton. So Yeah. So who's 007 in this movie? Surprise, surprise, Roger Moore. He's 54 in this movie, guys, and it's starting to show. He's He, looks, main he looks 54, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the main Bond girl in this one is Carol Bouquet as Melina Havelock, uh, which is not the craziest name for a Bond girl. No, so not at all, actually. Surprised. Yeah. And the villains are Julian Glover as Aristotle Christados. This also stars Topol as Milos Colombo. Lynn Holly Johnson as BB Doll, Walter Gottel as General Anatoly Gogol, who comes back, Jeffrey Keane as Sir Frederick Gray, Desmond Llewellyn comes back as Q, and Lois Maxwell comes back as Miss Moneypenny. So, what's the villain trying to do here? Retrieve an attack missile command system for the Soviet Union, and that's attack ATAC, it's an acronym, and trick Bond into killing Milos Colombo. How does Bond save the day? Bond joins forces with Melina Havelock and Milos Colombo, infiltrating Christados' hideout and throwing the device off a cliff, literally. Christados is killed by a knife thrown by Colombo. So, Nabil, I'm going to start with you again. Uh, what did you think of this one? So, uh, as, as James kind of mentioned at the beginning there, 
I got lost in the plot. <laughs> I uh, I still feel like Nibble doesn't know what this is about. He's like, yeah, I'm I, not after sure. After reading it, I, I went through it. I went through Wikipedia. I tried to figure out what it was. But I was like, I still don't exactly know what was the point of it all. I even and then you know I did read that this book, this film was based off of two short stories by Inflaming, two different ones that he put together. So I was like, okay, so they did kind of mash in two different plots. To here. clarify, I think I think you're talking about the the, the Blofeld cam- cameo at the beginning. Oh no, what you're talking about? I have someone talking about that too. That so the Blofeld cameo at the beginning that they just kind of bring in Apparently, so they were going into, you know, there was still a lawsuit going on between who owns a right to basically the characters from Thunderball, and Blofeld is one of them, and the whole Spectre Spectre, thing. Yeah, so apparently, um, the producer, Albert Broccoli, was basically giving a nod to that ongoing lawsuit and giving a big FU to uh, Kevin McClory, which is who the suit was against. Uh, stating that we don't really need Blofeld or any of these characters and move the franchise forward. That's (laughs) also why they can't mention Blofeld's name. Right. They do it. So it looks like someone who could be him, but they're like, there was a quote from Broccoli basically saying, uh, you know, we we like to leave it, uh, the interpretation open to the viewers to make their own decisions. It's like, yeah, because it's Blofeld. It looked like a spoof. At the beginning, I had to pause it and see if I was watching well, the right movie. Because he's like, at the grave, mm-hmm. right? So they do a reference to you know his mm-hmm. his wife obviously mm-hmm. passing and everything. Like there's a whole yeah. whole connection there. And <laughs> at the same time, basically, that's that's the connection. They're like, but we can move this plot forward. So yeah, that was just a an off thing, and they don't mention it again in the film. So you know that also didn't help me. Um, I think that uh, I, I do like Melina Havelock. I thought she was a good character. Uh, her whole motivation to avenge her parents' murder and well, she was a pretty badass with a uh, with a crossbow. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I thought that she kind of had her own motivation. She wasn't really trying to get hooked up with with James throughout the film up until basically the end because they all succumbed to his charm. Um, she's like, you could but, be my grandfather, but okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, like share one. So up. fucking creepy. <laughs> But, um, yeah, honestly, because I got lost in the plot of the film, it, it was really hard for me to enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy the set pieces from the start, you know, like the chase scene in the, the little car, the Cetruin, to the rock climbing film. I liked how that was shot. That was really cool. I'd say that the film was entertaining overall, and it's probably worth a watch. But <laughs> if you're like me, you probably have to give it a couple more watches to maybe be able to follow along properly. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Wikipedia wasn't much help either. Uh, all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm with you there as far as like the being lost in the plot scene. I mean, not really. I was just kind of like, man, this is fucking wild. We're into the wild ones here. So, with that said, James, uh, what did you think about this one? This one's okay. Um, not my favorite, only because I just once again, I don't think the plot's very good. That's why, man. It, it's weird. This is you this... didn't like that Ray Manzarek from The Doors, the keyboardist, was one of the fucking henchmen. Was for he Christados? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> he looked dead all at the keyboardist from the from The Doors. Um. <laughs> That's a really random reference. I don't think a lot of people understand, but uh, okay, man. Cool. I I don't think it's a very interesting plot, truthfully, man. Uh, it's weird. This is the second highest rated Roger Moore film overall. Yeah. If you look at critic wise and stuff like that, people really actually like this one a lot. Uh, around this time, he actually was thinking about retiring from the Bond uh, movies, so that's why they included that beginning where he's at. Uh, I like that he's at Tracy's grave, you know, from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. If you looked close enough yeah. to the place is adjacent to Goldfinger's Golf Course. It's right across the street, so you see Goldfinger's thing too. So it's like, oh, it's the same guy. Look, guys, and then you know the 
fuck you to Blofeld thing is kind of cool. I mean, the, dude, whoever did the stunts on the helicopter thing was amazing, dude. Um, that was pretty epic. I agree. Yeah, uh, the theme song is 80s as fuck, by the way. I'm not quite sure I liked it, but I think I did. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I was like, I'm not even sure. Uh, no M in this movie, because like I said, sadly, uh, Desmond... Uh, not Desmond Lewin. Bernard Lee uh, passed away. He tried to do. He tried to film a scene, but he just couldn't do it. Uh, he was too sick. So basically, they were trying to put him back in, but that's why he's not in the movie. Uh, and f- pretty much, Frederick Gray, the Minister of Defense, kind of takes over from this point. Even though M's in the other ones, he's kind of like the go-to guy now, as you guys can tell. Yeah. And Gogol, he's not really a bad guy. The guy on the KGB, he's like the more level-headed of the KGB, if that makes sense. And he's kind of no. He he just likes to play both sides. Kind of, but he's also like he understands that he's still trying to win, but he's not going to go out of his way to like yeah, it's do still shit. Spy games, yeah. Him. It's all spy games, exactly. It's the Cold War kind of feel. But he, when they need to partner up to do shit, they'll partner up. I don't know if you guys are big on Topol or not, but he's a like a legendary actor, so it's kind of cool to see him in, as Miles Colombo. I don't know if you guys have seen like Fiddler on the Roof and shit, but um, that's one of my favorite musicals. And he's the main guy. He's dead, so. It's a oh, fantastic movie. You haven't seen it. Uh, it was made before this, so it's really strange that he, you know, he must have been just like, fuck it, I'll be in a Bond film, I guess. But uh, really good actor. I mean, it's just kind of boring. This movie's really boring. So yeah. I'll just get to that. Bibby's fucking annoying, played by Lynn Holly Johnson. She's supposed to only be like 16 in the movie. Supposedly that's her age. Oh, yeah, that chick. Yeah. Too, just every- and that's why Bond doesn't sleep with her. He's like, whoa, you're a little young. I'm, I'm actually happy that he doesn't, though, because she's supposed to be young and everything, too. I'm like, this would have been even more. But then, nice. truthfully, the actresses, the age difference between her and um, Carol Baquette are only one year. Like, Carol Baquette's only a year really? older. Yeah, but they're not really 16. They're all, like, in their 20s, so. Right. Yeah, she's just supposed to be playing that young character. Yeah, and I thought the scene near the end, I actually the infiltration scene, I thought went on too fucking long. I don't know if you guys, like, do we really got to see every one of them load up into that thing and fucking creep all the way to the fucking top? And I was like, okay, I guess, but it just didn't work for yeah. me. I didn't have fun with this one at all, so that's all. Yeah, I I agree. This one, <clears throat> this one, excuse me, this one was kind of tough to watch. It was just, um, it was very cheesy, man. The, just horrible acting all across. I mean, especially from BB, but even just not her, but there were just a lot of, like, shitty lines where i just rolled my eyes even like uh, roger moore's lines in some of his dialogue was just kind of bad i uh, i do like the the opening only for like the helicopter stunts i thought that was cool though i felt like why didn't the uh quote-unquote bullfeld just crash the the helicopter i don't understand why these bad guys just don't kill them they just like to toy with them i mean no. truthfully we could have ended the movie right I there like, and i would have been okay yeah like, seriously that's cool um, thanks guys i did <laughs> uh the james vehicle came really early in this one is the chair that blowfeld was on <laughs> That's a that's a fucking wheelchair, you fuck. I just want to see him ride that shit. What a dick man. I was dying. Oh man. The music in this, yeah, is so 80s and super fucking cheesy. I was just like, wow, this sounds like a fucking cheap porno. What the fuck are they doing here? Can I mention one scene um, I forgot to bring up? Sorry, Marco. When he pushes the car over, it. I like that scene. That's a very dark scene where the guy was. I was yeah. I was gonna know. say yeah, yeah. That's the the Ray Manzarek look like. That's that, the only his death scene was brutal. That's the only scene that I actually remembered from this before we went back to watch it because I've seen it before. That's the one that yeah. I didn't remember if it was from this one or the next one, but I was like, oh, that's the one. Okay, sorry. Yeah, um, it was crazy how for this entire plot with the whole Polaris and the attack mechanism that. The ministry had no failsafe for that. Like, it was like, no, it's just that someone has it. We're all fucked. And I'm like, you guys, like, I understand it's to drive the plot, but it's still such a bad, like, loophole that they had 
nothing else. You know, they, they just got to send in this guy and trust him, who, by the yeah. way, is horrible at infiltrating. Like, Cristados knew who the fuck he was from the get go. Like, they kidnapped at no him. point they does kidnapped James him. Bond ever trick anybody. <laughs> they always discover him, even like when he uses a fake name. It's like, you guys don't even bother. Well, Marco, to hide he's getting close to a senior citizen age, okay? Can you relax, bro? <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, I, man, I will mention so though, the reason why this one is such, I, th- I, I think why this is such a boring plot is because they wanted to go away from the craziness of Moonraker. I don't know if you guys yeah. read up on that. So they try to tone it I down kind of like how, um, from Russia with love is that's why, I mean, it's almost the same plot. If you think about it, like yeah. they're getting a device that's going to translate shit and it's like, okay, Ex- hmm. exactly. That's why it seems so familiar and, and boring and yeah. less interesting. Cause I mean, I, from Russia with love did it better. Plus Greece. It's also, it, it's less kidding. violent hmm. too than the previous one. Like you, you called it James that, that car, like that car going over the cliff was like probably the most violent part of this movie. That's the only scene I remembered, bro. There's also, also, uh, like far less nudity in this one. I don't think there's any nudity in this one versus the previous ones. Just, just, man, just the dialogue is, is dumb. Um, e- even from, uh, uh, Melina Havelock, like when she asks, who are you? And when she says they killed my parents, like those lines. <laughs> okay, just, Anakin. Like, oh. Sorry, Anakin. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, however, I do like that she's actually another Bond girl that can hold her own. Like she's good with that crossbow. She can actually fight. I didn't like her. She's though, not man. like. She's not really? helpless, which I like. Oh, yeah. And also, like, this is one of the few movies where Bond actually is a gentleman. He doesn't assault anybody, and <laughs> he doesn't even get the girl until the very end, really. Like, uh, unlike the other movies where he's got, like, a score of three by now. So I mean, she also was, like, 45 years younger than him, so, I mean, he had to, bro. Yeah. I'm just kidding there. Um, <clears throat> the, the, man, actually? the chase scene in Spain was the shittiest one I have ever seen. I'm like these guys are going 25 miles an hour, like how is that the one where the car flipped over? Yeah, and yeah. why did the bad guys allow the townspeople to help Bond with the car? Like they never fire their guns once, and I'm like, just shoot him. Was that supposed to be like shoot a comedic moment? Him. Maybe was that like a comedic moment? Like oh, they're in. I dude, Spain. I don't know. I don't it's, know. That's the thing. I don't know when they're trying to take themselves seriously and not. It was like I rewinded like, it seven stop. times. I don't remember that part, bro. <laughs> they fi- they had a car that I, fell over. <laughs> At the secret base, you know I mean, that's that the, 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 uh, the, the code. The code for the door is the the spy who loved me song, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. I didn't pick up on that because I was too much like, how much more minutes are left in this movie? <laughs> yeah, there's another. Yeah, there's yet another ski action scene in this one. Only it's very stupid. He's being chased by dudes, not on snowmobiles, but motorcycles with spikes on their tires. And they still can't maneuver those fuckers, and I'm like, and this is why I kept getting lost because they just—it was like a chase scene, or the locale would be different suddenly, and I'm like, wait, Nabil would we wake up here? 20 minutes later. They were in a different country, Marco. He didn't understand <laughs> what's going on. Can the, this the guy travel? Were, <laughs> the sound effects were also very atrocious. Like I was like, oh my god, this is like very cringeworthy. And I it can't, was it was just bad. I just, especially during the ski chase scene. Can I mention like, this, it, a future ski scene that's not a ski scene, but I want to just tell you guys now before I forget. Yeah. In another movie, somebody makes a makeshift snowboard. <laughs> it's supposedly Christ, that was actually pretty badass. I just thought that of Marco. I thought of Marco. Shit. I was like, <laughs> I, supposedly that actually started off the snowboard training. By the way, really. I actually yeah. used to snowboard. Actually, I was they not say that, that good. Kind of originated but, um, from being that scene. Wait, damn! Why the, did James Bond start so many trends too? Like the first mm-hmm. jet ski, snowboarding, all this shit. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead, man. 
It's okay. No, no worries. That's, the only non-cheesy dialogue in this movie is the conversation with Christados. So yeah, actually no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that's why I was um, like, it's it's probably because he's such a good actor. Normally, he's like, I'm not I'm not cheesing this bullshit up. I'm like, okay, no, I'm he bad. is. And you know what? I like the character Columbo too. I liked how he wasn't dumb. How yeah. he was actually a really good ally. Both of them are good. Yeah. He had bonds back, which is really fucking awesome. Um, Christados, <laughs> it looks like he's from something. I couldn't he, <laughs> quite pinpoint where he's been. The main bad guy. I was like, where's this dude from? I like how he was like, I know selling the drugs, man. I like it, the pistachio, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, sounded shit. a bit more so, Hispanic there, but okay. He, uh, <laughs> he, I thought he was Latino, but he was supposed to be Italian. Yeah, they're all um, Greek and Italian too. They're Greek. And yeah. Italian. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, he just, he's just eating those pistachios nonstop, and he uses them as a weapon. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, when Christ, they try to raid the thing, is, yeah, yeah. That was, I was, I was like, oh fuck, they're running out of ideas. Yeah. The, uh, the <laughs> there's an underwater scene too. For like that last way too long, and then a big white scary scuba suit comes creeping in, and I was like, "Whoa, what the fuck is that?" I was like, "James, get out of that thing!" (laughs) (laughs) That is such a random um, scene. It's like because the thing's buried on the ground. It's it's sunk, so they're like, "We have to get it." And then the guy, how did the guy know he was there? I was like, and then yeah, but. But even even then, like, how does Bond not see these ambushes coming? Like, Christados is not a dumb guy. Like, he obviously knows, like, Bond is using a fake name, but whatever. I'll let that slide. Everyone knows, bro. Um, dude dying by the sharks, though, when they're trying to drown Bond and the, the chick. I, I thought that was kind of just fucking vicious, but the only other vicious scene in this. Ugh, this movie is just a, it's a shit show, man. It's fucking atrocious. Like, I think I even texted James. Like, I was like, what the fuck am I watching, dude? Yeah. This is just horrible. This is definitely not one of my favorite ones. And uh, you can you can definitely skip this one, in my opinion. Huh? That's what 71% gets you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it got that, bro. All right. So let's move on to the next film. Uh, the uh, appropriately titled Octopussy. Bond hits an all-time high. Roger Moore is Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 in Octopussy. newest and most thrilling of the James Bond adventures, filling the screen with excitement. The film came out in 1983 as a 41% Rotten Tomato score. Mm. So the plot, a fake Fabergé egg and a fellow agent's death leads James Bond to uncover international jewel smuggling operation, headed by the mysteri- a mysterious octopusy being used to disguise a nuclear attack on NATO forces. Again, this film was directed by John Glenn, who continues his trend of doing every other Bond film through the 80s. Roger Moore here is really getting in, into... <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. ...the age there. He's uh, he's 56 here. Uh, <laughs> he's, Jesus. So, yeah, just poor guy. Uh, the main Bond girl is Maude Adams as Octopussy. Villains, there's two actually. Uh, Steven Burkoff as General Orloff and Luis Jordan as Prince Kamal Khan. Starring also Kabir Bedhi as Gobinda, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, Robert Brown as M. He's the second actor to portray him. 
Um, though, as James kind of mentioned earlier, he's not a, a bigger presence in this film. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, Lois Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. Michaela Clavel as Penelope Smallbone. Walter Gotel as General Gogol. And Jeffrey Keane as the uh, Minister of Defense. So... What's the villain trying to do here? Basically trying to smuggle a nuclear warhead into a U.S. Air Force base in West Germany and detonate it, thus allowing the Warsaw Pact to conquer Western Europe. Khan is smuggling the warhead in exchange for jewels stolen from the Kremlin. So how does Bond save the day? Bond disarms the bomb, uh, and the jewels are recovered by the KGB. Orlov is shot by guards, believing he is trying to defect. Khan is killed with Bond, disables his plane's left engine, leaving Khan to crash into a mountain. It's a pretty interesting... Uh, uh way to say that but yeah so marco what did you think about this film you know i take back what i said about the previous bond movie for your eyes only this movie is a shit show (laughs) this is um you know what actually you can watch for your eyes only it's at least at the very least entertaining this one is so fucking insane. Russians again. Wow, big surprise. Gogol's back. Yay. General Orloff is such a fucking caricature too, man. He's just so fucking intense. And his entire plan basically is to start World War Three. And I'm like, uh... And steal an expensive egg. Yeah. Well, and a bunch of jewels. Because egg has That's something. their introduction, yeah. though. That's the reason why they do the Fabergé eggs. Oh, That's my how God. It's, yeah. it's batshit insane. Like, this is... Definitely on the level of Austin Powers, where I'm just like the fucking Doctor Evil's less insane than this guy. <laughs> going going on before that though, the Bond theme, not not bad. Um, it's okay. Uh, back to over sexualizing women again in this movie from the get go, starting off in Staying Cuba, wherever Bond yeah. is at the beginning. That's good. The uh, James vehicle I want to see in this is uh, right at the beginning, and I want to see James uh, fly that little jet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. The car plane? <laughs> no, this one's yeah, this one's just a little jet that's uh that's hidden as a fake horse. Oh yeah. I shit you not. <laughs> that's right, that's it's, right. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And then and then all of a sudden after the credits, then all of a sudden there's this whole circus scene with the clown. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, what what am I watching? Which does have a payoff where you see that the circus is owned by Octopussy. And, which I believe is a name that they chose in order to just be able to say the word pussy like nonstop. Which, strangely enough, they didn't. But it, it was just my wrongful assumption. I believe it's based um, on the short story in Fleming Road. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is based off a short story as well. Yeah. Although, although it's uh, it's a very crazy plot and it's just super cheesy. Uh, Bond, you can tell, is very much seasoned. He It's like he knows what he's doing. Or maybe it's just Roger Moore just doing everything like by the book where you're just like, all right, I, I know what I got to do. You know, I'm just going to do ABCD and just doing everything, you know, like to a T. Um, I do like how at the auction, he's pissing the dude off and try to get a rise out of him by just like trying to outbid him. And you see, he's very, you see like his intent and you see like how his mind works and he plays everything like a, like a basically like a game of chess and trying to like, outdo his enemy like that so i you know i like that part uh, of it the whole thing with uh with kamal uh i just i don't know i i i just thought it was just kind of just cheesy i didn't i didn't like it at all like nothing about it really like kept me into this movie and the only thing i like about it is that bond also embarrasses him too at the, at the casino and he uh basically like shows him that he's using fake dice and stuff in order to like to win back like uh his you know backgammon 
his his money yeah. and backgammon and everything like that. Yeah, all the fight scenes are just really bad, and maybe it's because they gotta choreograph them to Roger Moore's age. But um, I mean, it's very not one, n- much not Roger Moore doing these stunts, by the way, guys. No. Just so you know, <laughs> no, I, I hate but to the, break the it close-ups are. The close-ups are, I know, like where he's like moving like really slow and stuff and trying well, to block. But when you have brought back the judo chop in this. But one when you there. have six different cuts in one action scene, I wrote this down. It's yeah. all six are not him. Like they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. To be no. Like, yeah, I know. Even still, yeah. like it, they're just they're really bad. And Kamal could have killed him at any time. And that's why I'm just like, man, this is just dragging. Yeah. Like it's very easy for you to kill him. Like you really like it really wouldn't have set any red flags and no one would have been able to found, find you. Because they wouldn't have known the connection to the circus and everything like that and how they're using it to smuggle the jewels and whatever. There was just a lot of cheesy shit. Bond swinging and sounding like Tarzan. Yeah, I thought Jesus was just kind Christ. of cringe oh yeah. And I was yeah. like, man, That's, okay, this is just... Somebody was in the editing room and thought that was a good idea. <laughs> like, Let's just God, do the Tarzan. I know. I was like, I even wrote that. I was like, Jesus Christ. Then uh, the third location over like a Paradise Island where Bond sneaks in, I shit you not, in an alligator suit. <laughs> and I... <laughs> I paused the movie and I really had to have a conversation with myself of whether or not I was going to finish this movie. I, I was like, wow, this is just fucking wild. Why that's not a James vehicle? I don't know. Man, um, it was just bad. I don't know. I didn't like this movie. It, it just, uh, yeah, it's just not one of my favorite ones. Well, what about what about you, James? Did you, did you find anything redeeming here? Yeah, I actually like this movie. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't like the other one. Wow. This one, I still felt. I mean, I just embrace the cheesiness. If you embrace it, I think it it works out better for these ones. Because I mean, I didn't like the song. Obviously, I like that beginning scene. Uh, as a kid, I remember seeing this. That's the only time you ever see before Goldeneye. Sorry, uh, another double O agent. That's double O nine in the yeah, count sequence, cool. and uh, it's kind of a scary scene actually with the two <laughs> brothers that can. Yeah, it does. It sets a good. It sets it up really good. Yeah, the tone is like, oh, what's going to happen to this guy? Yeah. And he dies and he crashes into the fucking thing, and it's like, holy shit! And mm. it's the only time you ever realize that it's another double agent. So it's just kind of a cool little thing, you know, because yeah. you don't get to see that too often until, like I said, 1995's Trevelyan. He's double O six. Um, or is he double eight? No, I think he's double six. Um, so yeah, Money Penny's back. You know, they try to introduce Smallbone. I don't really know why. Maybe she was supposed to take over at one point. It never fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Indian location. I thought that was cool. I thought it's hilarious that his fucking con- uh, connection guy there is just like, yeah, whatever. And the Cobra goes off. I was like, damn, blood, catch that Cobra. Shit. Oh, VJ? Yeah, whatever fuck his name is. Uh, the I dialogue here is too. fucking hilarious. I thought it's. Uh, I thought that was terrible. But once again, I just rolled with it. When she's like, what's this, a tattoo? She's like, that's my little octopusy. I was like, Marco, what are you doing? <laughs> I thought it took way too long to get to the octopusy reveal, though. It's like an hour and ten minutes into the movie. I was like, Jesus Christ, it took this long to get in. So, I mean, the movie's corny as hell, but what saves it for me is the last action sequence I liked a lot. I thought the chase sequence itself was well done. I liked the train sequence, too, at the end. I thought it was pretty cool uh oh, that was a good one overall though i mean it's not a good movie out of the ones it's not in the, even in top three of the fucking roger moore films but no. um i could at least follow along to the plot though as opposed to the previous one where even i i'll admit Nabil, was having trouble figuring out like what the fuck's the point of this but Damn. i think it's also because they just get so fucking into the the cheesiness of everything that it's just like okay whatever i mean for fuck's sake the dude literally sends uh What's his fucking name? Gobinda at the end to climb out of the fucking plane to fight Bond. He's like, that get him. That scene with Gobinda was mm. probably like the only good fight scene. Yeah, the, the that is movie. probably the the highlight of it, especially the crashing into the mountain. I thought that was actually 
for the first time, we don't have an anticlimactic like ending to a, a guy. It's like, oh, okay, they built up to it. That's the last sequence too. It's not like this, we did this, then we went to go do the bomb. They actually do the bomb first, then get on the plane. I'm like, okay, for once they fucking we have Bond slide down a rail shooting a gun, <laughs> and then we do this. Yeah, normally yes. they have him doing some other shit, right? Uh, and then I wrote uh, at the end, I mean, he's just, him and Octopus, he's just going at it, bro. My man's just horny as fuck, so. What about you, Nabil? I don't remember how he got injured, either. Uh, it was from the, uh, the plane. He, yeah. the plane, he jumps, Mark. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I must have checked out by then. That was the last five minutes of the movie, Marco. <laughs> Gotta pay <laughs> attention, the, buddy. Yeah. He's like, I'm tapping out, guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Nabil? Well, honestly, I think the problem I had the most with this film was was just the the general plot with Octopussy as she's she's a jewel thief, right? Essentially, and Khan is her partner, but now wants to portray her to open up oh, the borders. Oh yeah, it's so, ridiculous. You know, it's like like <laughs> that is the one thing. Like, obviously, all the plots are get crazy, but just the whole time he's listening to her, he's on her side, even if it's for for you know not not genuine, not genuine, yeah. but like that just seemed kind of a weird plot point for that. You know, why even have them involved? Just make them enemies or something. But I did like the locale in India. I thought it was a good change of scenery, honestly. They really... It's their first time in India, too, which is cool. Mm -hmm. So that was really nice. I actually liked VJ, his little sidekick, for a little bit. I was sad to see him I was, too. I was, too. Especially a good sidekick. Him and Q has a bigger role in these later films, as you can tell. Yeah. And it's it's actually sad when Q is like, hey, man, he, like, he... We were supposed to, like, check in with me, and he, like, came back, and he was, like murdered the fuck up and i was like whoa cute what happened buddy yeah so that was a little upsetting um i actually really like gobinda as a good henchman as well i thought he was scary menacing kind of just in his own way the the indian jaws he didn't have the teeth thing kind of yeah you could tell you know like a big guy brawling and fighting i mean he he whoops he actually whoops bond's ass like twice oh yeah multiple times yeah Yeah. the train scene those were cool that's the fights on top of the train cars that's what like they they really upped the stuff i'm telling you it was just the ending last 20 minutes it was like okay there we go everything leading up to it though was like oh fuck man yeah it's just taking forever to get to it basically yeah because that scene was good and then like you guys say the plane scene was good i like gobinda i thought he was he was really uh, well done and khan was fine as as a uh, a villain it's just like i said that motivation yeah working with the russians and then also doing double crossing octopus it just seemed kind of weird and also everybody was fine with her being a jewel thief it wasn't a big deal (laughs) bro it's like commonly known and everyone's like yeah Yeah. that's what she does and she has okay she has a circus too by the way come Mm -hmm. come on on tuesdays it's half off for the kids (laughs) what the basically they don't go after these bad guys until like it crosses them and it's like okay now we can go after them i guess not yeah Yeah. it's almost Um, and then you know the epic battle with her I don't I don't know what they are. Her followers fighting in the in the tower or the castle where Whoa. it was. It's because yeah. girls rule Nabil. <laughs> yeah, they were they were ruling and kicking butt everywhere. So you know, they came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it just seemed kind of an odd setup. But okay, they were all trained. It's fighting. like they only did it because they found out they were going to be betrayed. They're like, fuck those guys. Yeah, so. basically. But um, you know, the puns did seem to get worse in this film oh, yeah. for sure. They really leaned in a lot in those. Look at the title, bro. Uh, I mean, but it's exactly, but you see the title. It was all right. It, there was, there were some redeeming qualities, um, and then there were some crappy ones. So. Yeah. All right, guys, so let's get into our final movie here, 1985's A View to a Kill. This man has a secret ambition. I propose to end the domination of Silicon Valley. Project Main Strike. A secret plan. For which each of you will pay me $100 million. (laughs) 
secret weapon. We're not sure about her. Name's Mayday. Someone will take care of you. Oh, you'll uh, see to that personally, will you? There's only one man who can stop them. This is the lowest rated one for Roger Moore at 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is the uh, description, sorry, the recovery of a microchip off the body of a fellow agent leads James Bond to a mad industrialist who plans to create a worldwide microchip monopoly by destroying California's Silicon Valley. Bum, bum, bum. Directed by John Glenn, too. Did all the other ones. Roger Moore is 58 in this movie. He looks like he's 72. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The main Bond girl, I guess, is Tanya Roberts playing Stacy Sutton. The villain is Christopher Walken as Max Zorin. This also stars Grace Jones as May Day, uh, Patrick Mackney as Tibbet, Patrick uh, Bacow, sorry, I know I'm butchering these names, as Scarpine, David Yip as okay. Chuck Lee, Desmond Lewin returns as Q, Robert Brown comes back as M, uh, Lois Maxwell is Miss Moneypenny. This is her final time playing the role. Uh, Walter Gotell returns as General Goggle, and Jeffrey Keane returns as the Minister of Defense. So what is the villain trying to do here? He's going to start a microchip monopoly by destroying California's Silicon Valley by triggering an earthquake along the San Andreas Fault, thus eliminating his competition. How does Bond save the day? Zorin leaves Mayday to die. Enraged, she smuggles the bomb out of the blast radius, sacrificing herself. Bond engages Zorin on top of the Golden Gate Bridge, ultimately killing him. Uh, let's start with you here, Nabil. What did you think about this one? Well, uh, from from the first scene of seeing Roger Moore, like of all the films you can see that is aging, in this film, he's aged. Like he's just old. He's also had some work done to his face. I don't know if you noticed. He it has. <laughs> he's he's done what he can yeah. to keep that. But like, oh man, he's trying way too to old to be doing these movies. Yeah, he's trying to just um, keep that look. But I was like, mm-hmm. facelifts were getting popular on this time. Yes. It was. <laughs> Um, and, and it was of the time. I mean, the film was very much of the time. Oh, yeah. um, Christopher Walken, I thought was was good. He did what he could with the material. I mean, it wasn't the most uh, you know out of their character. I suppose I actually enjoyed seeing him. He was very evil and menacing, and you know, did some crazy shit. Yeah. So so you know, I'm all for Zorin. Um, although the scene where he's just gunning down people in the mine uh, was was horrific, and I don't think that's really how most Bond films were you know were being used and portrayed. So that was. Yeah. You know, that was a I bit would say much. that that's the first time I've actually said uh, for a villain, I was like, this guy's a psychopath. Yeah, basically what he is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how he was bred, basically. Yeah. When yeah. you learn about his past, I mean, especially. Which was, I thought was a good was a good little thing about his background is that he was a former KGB agent, mm-hmm. and now he's decided to do his own. Like, I thought there, there was a lot of potential with the bad guy character, uh, a background of the character itself, and would make him a very good villain but i think just the the setting of what they were trying to do was like uh, i get it but maybe i don't know maybe it's just because of it was of the time but seemed kind of out of there the sf uh police chase where they're racing downtown essentially bond is running away from the san francisco police it's cool to see san francisco on the screen especially in the 70s uh, or 80s i'm sorry 85 but, sir come on yeah sorry about that 80s yeah, but um that was pointless you know, he was he was being framed for the murder of the whatever he was, state supervisor or city supervisor, and basically decided, you know what, we got to run from the cops. I'm a spy. Like the guys are gonna believe him. Steals a fire truck, <laughs> very inconspicuous. Uh, <laughs> then, then it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, public property damage. Everything. Like he's against the basically, basically running against the good guys. And I I didn't 
Though the chase scene was funny, I liked the especially at the bridge at the end where he was going up. I was like, I know all these places. <laughs> at the same time, it was just kind of I don't know. I I feel like it was the wrong way to go about maybe what what they were trying to show because of making him look like a bad guy with the police, and that really probably wasn't what what they should have done with that. But overall, I did like the action scenes. It was pretty thrilling, um, and they were they were pretty tense, especially like in the mine again the chase scene, um, but. Stacy Sutton was a terrible Bond girl. Always the damsel in distress, always crying in terror. I didn't even realize her. she was the Bond girl until later on in the film. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was she's just bad. She really doesn't add much, and even Roger Moore was very um he he you know, he got along with Roger Moore was very much got along with everyone most of the time. Not in this movie though, but um <laughs> but he said there was like no chemistry between them either. And, yeah, you, well, can, and, you, can, and you can tell. Yeah. And he made mention, too, because, you know, I guess the mother is, like, the same age or something like that, so he thought it was even more weird. That's when he knew that it, it was, like, time to, like... Yeah, I gotta be done. Hang it up. The yeah. uh, the Bond girl, too, Stacy. she's uh, Midge from that 70s show, also. That's her? Oh, yep. really? Shut yep. the fuck up. Midge Pizzicati, yep, look it up, man, because she kept looking hella familiar to me, and I was like, who is that? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. She looks really different. She does. Yeah, I was like, okay, okay. That's but cool. yeah, um, you know, film was film had it had its ups and downs. Good villain, um, with what Christopher Walken can do. I did like seeing him in there, but and some of the, the action was really good, even with you know Connery or Connery Moore being a little older. Come on, Nabil, um, you're almost through. Come on, you're gonna make it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it, the film itself was like, eh, it was alright. Uh, Marco, what do you think? I agree to some extent with the bill. This one is also one of the more ridiculous ones. Again, we entered the crazy 80s. But man, I have a soft spot for the villain because it's Christopher Walken. And uh, I just like uh, everything that guy's in. I don't know. He's he's just such a memorable character. And no matter how shitty the movie is, like he just he owns it. And I like his portrayal of Max Zorin. He's uh, very... like psychotic and at the same time a very capable uh, opponent um it's also like very similar to another character he plays in a batman movie actually but far more violent um i do admit that this one is continuing the trend of cheesiness um i mean from the get-go we get uh, the the snow ski chases where <laughs> this is the snowboard one where James baby. says it's a, it's a fucking it's snowboard. snowboard baby. I was like, wow, so, so sn- he's snow. Wait, but it's not just that; it's he snowboarding with a shitty cover of the Beach Boys song. That's true, uh, but yeah, not even that. I li- I found it hilarious because it was so obvious that there's a stunt double now that it's not you know yeah, every time scene. and i sent you guys a photo and of the car chase it, scene and when it is him it's a it's a background screen that they're using yeah the i don't know why they you know what they cut to it only twice during a chase scene i don't even know why they did that because truthfully yeah. up until that point i i even wrote i was like man the quality of the film is like he, definitely getting closer to he took out a helicopter standard. with a flare gun sir that's true he did oh, and it was a great shot right yeah um I like the Bond song, uh, Duran Duran. Uh, I, I agree with uh, James when he uh, texted me. He was like, you, you actually might I like actually this one. I actually think it's the best one and out of all the Roger Moore ones. It became number one in the billboards uh, during that year, too. Did it? I still no, yeah. like The Spy Who Loved Me and then uh, Live bro, and Let Die. This song this is still one. stuck in my head right now, bro. 
Hmm. It's catchy. Don't get me wrong. Hmm. And I'm a I, I like Duran Duran. I mean, they 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 write catchy tunes, and it's, it was a smart yeah. move to get them. Uh, I like how Bond uh, actually uses a different name, an alias in this one, and, terrible, which though. he it's rarely terrible. does. It's bad, I know, but I'm like, hey, he's trying at least, and it does take. Zorn a while to figure him out to figure out that you know what he's trying to do. He actually doesn't blonde bond blonde bond actually doesn't blow his cover that quickly in this one, which I kind of liked because usually like the bad guy just knows right away. I mean Zorn suspects you know a little bit, but he can't prove it. He knows something is off, and then finally when he d- gives him that that computer scan, he uses you know technology to discover who he is and, and everything. But I like how they're just kind of. Like in, in in with through subtleties trying to like tell each other, yeah, I know what the fuck you're up to and stuff. Um, of course, uh, you know Zorn is descended. He's using like steroids and uh, weird kind of genealogy type stuff in order to make these super horses and shit like that. And of course, he got the crazy idea of selective breeding from a fucking ex Nazi. And I was like, mm, of course. Um, his whole plan to end uh, Silicon Valley by flooding it with an earthquake. I'm like, is is he Lex Luthor? I'm like, is this <laughs> Superman one, sir? What is going on? But yeah, uh, Bond, uh, I guess uh, Roger Moore, you can just tell he's, you know, he's in that age. He's a little more reckless in this one. Uh, I do agree there in a bill where he's like running around like a loose cannon in San Francisco, although it was entertaining to watch. Um, is still not really like him, but I, I get I get the stakes are there because I mean uh, an entire region of California is about to get like obliterated, so he's working with a sense of urgency and stuff like that. So I get it. I like how the cop like when he doesn't believe him, he's like, "Yeah, and I'm Dick Tracy." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." The vehicle this one for James is not as fun, but I thought it was hilarious. I want to see him uh, ride a horse. Um, horses are cool, so see, I didn't punish you James too much to, for this one. Fly a, a blimp. Like, <laughs> yeah, the blimp the ha- is also what <laughs> the half car in Paris, uh, uh, or also the other one is a fire engine with the yeah. freaking like back going all wild and shit. I'm sorry, that's a fire truck. I just hold on, t- hold on to the yeah. ladder. I'm like, Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> someone help me. I I thought that it was just kind of dumb that Zorn wants Stacy's like oil plants, I guess, or whatever. Like that, it's just like he could have just easily taken them without like offering her money. I like. I understand he's trying to look legitimate, but I was just like, dude, just fucking take her out and just falsify the documents. I don't know. Like, use your fucking tech. Uh, it's just kind of dumb. Um, Mayday is just fucking insane, but also entertaining. And I liked her as like a number two to Zorin. Her outfits were fucking wild, and all I could think was, I wonder if James is thinking hmm, something Marco would wear. <laughs> just kidding. But. Um, I hate. Yeah, Mayday. the the movie. It, yeah, it's uh, it's fucking wild. It's it's one of those like crazy '80s plots, uh, and it's super cheesy. But for some reason, I still had fun with it. It it, it just I don't know. It was just a fun movie to watch. Maybe the cheesy easy '80s music in the background kind of helped, but it almost felt like it was self aware of itself too. So, um, Bond, uh, man, ending up with a girl half his age at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, it's kind of cringeworthy, man. Like, she's young enough to be your daughter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was still kind of cool how they do the final, the final fight scene, uh, on the Golden Gate Bridge. I thought that was cool. 
Um, you can obviously tell they were using sets and also like aerial footage and stuff like that, but um, it still and worked. Dummies. Um, yeah, and dummies. I and was dummies. laughing um, so hard when he fell. It's just like the <laughs> arms were falling. <laughs> but uh, that was cool. I mean, it wasn't an epic battle. It was super bad. It's just like an old man fighting a young Christopher Walken. Yeah. And it, it wasn't that smooth, but it's still, it's kind of, you know, crazy how he falls off the, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's quite a big fall. The two fucking idiots on the helicopter struggling with the dynamite. I was like, wow. It's like you slapstick. guys really, you guys really can't pick it up, Butterfingers. Okay, but the doctors, it was nice to see I guess, the, right? Yeah, but um, it was still kind of cool to see the the blimp explode. Not not many like special effects with this one, really. It was kind of like more grounded. Just stunt so, doubles. Yeah, not really the best one, but I think this one is still fun, and I still liked it better than the than the last two. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's fun. Yeah, I I, I like this one better than the last two too, actually. Um, but man, Bond is so fucking old in this movie, bro. I just can't get over how fucking old he looks. Oh yeah. Last one to uh, feature Money Penny too. I wish they had given her kind of a better send off too for the. It would have been nice, yeah. But they There's... had her kind of like dressed up in her. Yeah, and, and she didn't know funny. she does have an actual bigger role in this one. Like you see her a little bit more, and I yeah. don't know if they had told her if she's gonna be the new M at one point, but they're like they told her actually like no one's gonna see like a woman a woman as M, which is funny because you know as you know later. I mean Roger Moore. Almost seems like he, you can tell he's just tired in this movie. Yeah. And it's not in a bad way. I actually do like Christopher Walken. I think he's actually a good Bond villain. And um, f- uh, trivia-wise, first Academy Award-winning actor to play a villain in Chains Bond, which kind of continues onward after this. Uh, I can't stand fucking Grace Jones, man, as Mayday. God damn, dude. I've never liked her. I mean, I liked her in this one, though. I thought she was intense. Really? It, it was, she comes off as I mean, annoying. It and worked, then, though. I think I know just too much about this fucking movie. That's why, bro. She also... Her and uh, Roger Moore hated each other, bro. Really? Yeah. She, her, they were almost... They basically didn't speak to each other on set. That's why they so. had that hate sex, man. They had the hate... Well, the, that's what started that, dog. Because when she did that, she brought in a big old dildo and shit like that. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> oh yeah, God. look it up. He asked her to, like... He went in and threw a radio on the ground because he was playing rock music hella loud, and he was trying to take a nap one day, too, and she was just hella mean to him. I so, did like how her character found out, like, who, like, discovered James Bond right away. Like, she recognized his face. That was I mean, cool. she's all... Uh, yeah, I guess. I actually like the uh, scene in Paris. I think it's ridiculous, though, with the half car, and it's just, like, nonstop, and then she's jumping, and then they're just going on the boat, and they rest his ass, like, who the fuck are you, dude? And he's like, sorry, guys. I'm just trying to find that darkish darkness lady i don't know the ending is where i once again i agree in the bill though the and you marco the the bond girl is so weak in this one bro oh my god dude yeah, that's actually, why i didn't mention her at a certain point <laughs> at a certain point it's almost like i didn't even realize that there was a bond girl i was like is there a bond girl in this movie or not I no like, it's about like halfway through the film before you actually realize because yeah just kind of shown yep. in the beginning and then you actually get the Which is weird, because I was like, okay. I like that scene where Zoran's shooting up the workers, though. That's as fucked up as it is. It just shows how crazy he is and how edgy they're getting, because it's the 80s and shit, right? I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, whoa. Uh, We're into the tech world. And how the fuck did they grab uh, fucking Stacy, right, in the blimp by rolling up on her and grabbing her, like... And then right back up in the air. <laughs> they right. just swoop down, grab her, gr- gr- put her in the thing, and then drive off. I was like, how, how does anyone sneak up on a blimp? It was so stupid. <laughs> Especially, like, you can hear it making a noise as they're accelerating and stuff. It's like a blimp yeah, dude, makes the noise. Dude, when they drive off after, it's hell loud. I was like, yeah. uh, did she not hear that on the way down, I guess? Yeah. And so I dumb. thought, 
Although the fight scene on the Golden Gate was cool because, you know, SF and all, I thought it was still pretty anticlimactic how he falls, basically. Because he just, he's trying to climb back up and then he bonds like, later, bitch. And then I was like, Goes okay. out like the Joker, man. Not even. <laughs> and then, like I, I, I like said, how I was the, laughing because uh, the dummy looks so, so fucking yeah, fake, dude. Yeah. Uh, I like how they uh, say they can't, like, um, try to defuse the bomb because it's tampering with, but th- but lifting isn't that tampering? Well, they the lifted bomb the bomb and then yeah, pushed it, it, and then it even stopped because it got stuck and it like shifted so much. I was like, wouldn't that have blown up right there? I guess. Yeah, so. I'm like, that's that's. And let's face it, sure guys, yeah. a, a, a plot involving microchips is pretty far out there, dude. I was yeah, like, this like, is really what, the plot. What did the microchips do? <laughs> just not. Nothing. It was just to create a monopoly on microchips. I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah because yeah. they they um because they operated even after an EMP hits it electromagnetic pulse yeah which I don't even think we have today so I mean it is kind of kind of holds up I guess. EMPs exist no 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 not EMPs but an EMP resistant microchip I don't oh, think it exists unless the military yeah, has it I, I don't know I, yeah. maybe I don't know dude who knows but yeah but. ending of uh ending of more there so overall I st- I thought it was okay. It was better than the last two movies. I actually, I don't think it deserves a thirty-three percent or thirty-six percent. You know, but hey, we're done, guys. That's it, Roger Moore. We're done. So uh, overall, what'd you guys think of Roger Moore and Bill? You know, I think that he was a more competent Bond. Mm, no I like how to, you use Connery. Dudunch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like he just didn't seem like he was. Everything was happening by luck. It took some skill. Like he seemed like a, a spy. Okay. Um, and, all, and all his betrayals of that. Um, and I thought that, you know, the set pieces were much grander. I thought the action was just more fun to see. Even th- It was definitely cheesy, completely cheesy. Yeah. But um, but I, I kind of liked that. Instead of just always seeing the hand-to-hand brawls, just, you know, he was doing stunts. And there was, like I said, we were watching in some of the films where he's on the train or he's on a mountain or he's even some of the skiing scenes. Like, there's just some more higher stakes in some of those action scenes yeah i mean we got we got skiing scenes with lazenby and even um connery but then we got 17 with more so i mean yeah we we did get a lot so a lot of chances to get it right yeah uh what about you marco um i i do think that the roger moore bond films have more like a larger budget and they're more grandiose there's more tech being used and i think that it he does have the advantage of being made in a later era, like the seventies and the eighties, mm-hmm. as cinema is advancing more and they're they're using like um, you know, more props and, you know, more special effects and stuff. I do still have a soft spot for the Connery films because it's the the first like Bond and he's still very smooth and he does well with what he did have to work work with and mm-hmm. he still just has this uh connery is just he's fucking smooth man what can i say i mean don't get me wrong roger moore also holds up his own he's a very different bond i do agree with the bill where like rather than everything going like so like smoothly for him like he does have to like uh earn it and he has to like use different skills and different tactics in order to achieve his mission and it's it they do have a more spy feel to them mm-hmm. but um i like i said i have some of my i have some good like connery movies and some good more movies i, I kind of like them both man i think that some of the later bonds are like more in a, of an amalgam of both of them together 
in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, my, my opinion hasn't changed much. Roger Moore's still in the bottom of my list, guys. He's one of those guys where just they're, they're really cheesy. I think it's a product of its time, as you guys said, too. Um, I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, too. Roger Moore was very much against uh, using guns, so I don't know if you guys have noticed that. I, I didn't bring it up on purpose just to see if you guys did. Uh, he rarely fires a gun in any movie, just to let yeah, you know. He doesn't. Yeah. As opposed to uh, Bonds before him and definitely wow. after him. So uh, he, I don't even think he uses anything outside of a pistol in most movies, just to let you know. He relies heavily on gadgets and uh, terrible one-liners. So oh, One-liners, man. Um. I mean, he did seven films, so Moore still holds the rank for most uh, James Bond movies um, by one actor. Uh, and, I mean, we've compared him pretty much to Connery and Lazby at this point, too. We did three Bond films last time out of all the ones we've seen so far. And uh, just to kind of verify, and like, you know, these are the ones I would say you'd watch so far. We're going to bump it up eventually to him, too, to get even more in there, but... What would you guys think? Has anything changed from your list before? Would you add any movie to your list, or would you change now that you've seen more of them? Uh, Nabil, starting with you. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have added uh, the Spy Who Loved Me in my top three. Nice. Um, so I I think that that was just that was a very solid Bond film and a good Roger Moore film. So definitely um, makes the top spots of what we've seen so far. What about you, uh, Marco? I would say the same. If I were to pick one solid Roger Moore Bond movie, and probably like the only solid one I think on this list that's like not too cheesy and still like pretty cool, I'd say The Spy Who Loved Me also. Yeah, I'd add that. That's probably that. Uh, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger being top three so far out of the three, if we really only had to go top three on it. Uh, and then if I'm going to go um, Bond wise, I still think it's Connery more than Lazenby. So that's me. I. Would probably agree there, yeah. I, uh, Connery's still on top. He's he definitely has uh, oh, yeah. more films that I enjoy and that are probably oh, me too. Yeah. more serious. Yeah, me too. Than than um than more does. But there are still there are still some more films that I appreciate. What about you, Bill? Sorry about that. Cut you off. There. No, I, I mean I I kind of agree with that. I did honestly. I did like the earlier Roger Moore films though. But basically, after you get from Moonraker, things start to get very. I mean, even from Moonraker, but it gets very down. You leave Moonraker alone, sir. <laughs> I know. I like Moonraker, sir. That's my movie. So, yeah, that's Roger Moore, guys. You guys made it. I knew this would be the hardest part of the one just because I, I don't know. But once again, like I said, some people love Roger Moore, man. But me personally, I'm always like, yeah, he looks like a James Bond. And I mean, he grew on me by the end, obviously. I started liking shitty movies. Obviously, look at me. Defending <laughs> Octopus, you fuck's sake. But I think it's one of those things where now that you've seen this, it'll make you appreciate the other ones even more. And like uh, Marco was even saying, he, now he's recognizing there's probably people use a lot of combinations of previous bonds to create a new bond, you know. And I think when you guys make your final decision on who do you think the best bond is and the best bond movies, you know, I think you're gonna realize it's probably gonna be a mix of some stuff. So yeah. Uh, so that's the end of the podcast, guys. Podcast number seventy-two. Seven more movies for you guys to listen to while you're in quarantine. So. Uh, Seven, sorry, some of us are still in quarantine. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for feedback. Sponsor and reviews, guys. Marco, let them know how they can reach us. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at MoviePalsPod. Make sure to leave us a comment or a like. Also, give us a follow. And if you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or iHeartRadio, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. 
Thank you very much, Marco. So next time, guys, we're going to be doing episode number 73. Surprise, we're going to be doing another double <laughs> James Bond marathon. I think you guys are, out of all three, this is probably going to be your one that you'll probably enjoy the most before we hit part four for the um, Daniel uh, Craig movies, obviously. Dalton, um, baby. So yeah, we're going to go 1987 to 2002. This is going to have the two films from Timothy Dalton. And the four films from Pierce Brosnan. So um, on top of that, not seven films again. No, it was seven. This was seven. This is only going to be six coming up. Look at that. One less. Ooh. <laughs> little breather for him to build there. He's, <laughs> he's going to send a text later. He's like, I don't know what this guy's doing. The Pierce Brosnan movie, bro? <laughs> the plot line of that one? That's GoldenEye. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that one, guys. Another two weeks, we'll be having that one down the pipeline, too. So until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one.